I am thankful for this morning. Please let your words come through me and not mine. Uh, make it be what you need to be said in this congregation, and that's it. In your name I pray, amen. I typically would start with a scripture verse and then pray because that's how we're supposed to do it all the time. But um, I can't tell you that Luke gave me a short notice on this one. He gave me plenty of time. He gave me weeks. It's great. So uh, my procrastination is 100% on mine. Um, But I love the opportunity. I don't know how. I just will say this out loud. I don't know how that I always end up with a family Sunday with the kids in here. Uh, Maybe that's just his way of thanking me for all of my you know, work in youth ministry, but it is what it is. And and I like it. I've promised a few people we'll be out of here before noon. Uh, We're shooting for the 1156 range. So we don't have a clock in the back, but I am thankful for the opportunity, but I made one fundamental mistake this week. Um, I've known for a couple weeks that I want to preach. And the thing that I'm going to talk about first uh, is weighing heavy on my heart and mind. But I went to a revival on Monday night and Tuesday night to listen to a preacher that I absolutely love to hear preach. Um, I've, I'll tell you that this is a wrong thing to say out loud, but I've always wanted my preaching style to be like his preaching style, and I have tried for years, and I found out a long time ago that God will let you know that my preaching style is my preaching style. Uh, the minute that I try to make my preaching style like somebody else's preaching style, he will, he will leave me high and dry in the middle of a sermon because it's not where I need to be. So what you get from me is what you get from me. I'm sorry for that, or you're welcome. Um, you, you had plenty of time since yesterday when Luke posted that I'm going to be here, so you showed up anyway, and I'm thankful for that. I love y'all. But here's the problem. So I've been working on my sermon for probably two weeks now, and um, some things that are applicable in my life, and um, sometimes you can't preach about things that you don't live about. Sorry, I'm going to have to walk a little bit. This is in the way. It's light. I'm, I'm fat, not strong. But here's the problem. Um, I have three pages of notes that I took at that revival that I probably shouldn't have in the middle of trying to sermon prep because it kept keeping me off track. But I, I, will, I will give you one that I wrote down that absolutely have frustrated me for a week. And it said, we need to be talking to ourselves more than listening to ourselves. And I don't know if that's meant for you this morning. If not, it's meant for me. But we need to be talking to ourselves more than listening to ourselves. Uh, I listen to myself a lot. I don't talk to myself enough. Now, if if I'm in the Word enough, I can speak God's Word out loud and be telling myself what God's promises are. But oftentimes, I listen to myself. And when I listen to myself, it's not always me listening to the Holy Spirit. It's me listening to myself. So some of y'all will get that on the way home. um, And it will have a deep impact. And it'll kind of hit you a little bit. So that's where it is. But... I come to the conclusion what I wanted to preach about and where we're going to end up maybe two different things. But what I wanted to preach about was uh, sometimes, you know, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's start there. We are are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. Here's the part that hurt my feelings. Sometimes the hands are this size and the feet are size 11 in their mind. Somebody say amen to that. You might not be a size 11, but sometimes, show me your hands. Let me see everybody's hands. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you all for them back that are not participating. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and I want you to look at your hands. Sometimes they're that size. I won't make you put your feet in the air because then it's going to get weird, but I want you to look at your feet and say, sometimes the feet of Jesus are size 11, and they're mine. So I'm going to tell you a story that I probably shouldn't say out loud, um, but again, I think uh, I can't preach on something that I haven't dealt with. So uh, I have an inner turmoil, 
and there will be a point. So I moved here into Hidden Valley in 2012. Um, as soon as we moved in, two doors down from me, there was a heroin dealer. Um, and he, he dealt heroin right out front of my house every night for a solid year and a half, two years. Uh, I had plenty of interaction with his customers, with him, somewhat with his parents. And uh, it was just a frustrating time in life. Um, long story, he ends up trafficking, going to jail, getting 16 years. Mandatory, before he was even eligible for parole, was seven. So I said, my family is safe because the riffraff that he was bringing to the neighborhood was terrible. Um, and again, I'm dad, right? That's my, that's my responsibility to deal with. And the minimum that he's going to get is seven before he's eligible for parole. He was home in 11 months. Right. Take that for what it is. It, it is what it is. Well, here, here comes my problem. He shows up, back, out. Conversation is, he's now clean and sober. He's working with a program. He's speaking at schools. But I see him driving in and out. And I'll tell you the inner struggle that I had. So I'm a husband, I'm a father, but I'm also a Christian. Me, I used to see him come in and out. He'd kind of gently lean his head down, he'd wave, because we've had our fair share of issues. Never really spoken, but he'd wave. And deep down I said, I don't want him anywhere around. He can't change. And every time I would say that out loud, every time I would say that out loud, the Christian in me would say, that is ridiculous. How dare you be that way? But then I said, God, God, wait, I'm still a husband and a father. I'm still very guarded for what's happening in my neighborhood. He said, but he can change. Are you saying that nobody can change? And I fought this, and I fought this, and I will tell you that there are still some struggles when I see him drive by. But I'll tell you what God did in my life. And I'm thankful for that because it allowed me to preach this message this morning, to dive into his word, and try to be a better man. So a few weeks ago, uh, let's just call it a neighbor of ours, um, decided that the best place to air out dirty laundry was on social media. And um, is there a better place? Smart water, just so, just, just in case y'all picked up on that. I need, I need all the help that I can get. Uh, <laughs> yes. So they decided to air out some dirty laundry, and the dirty laundry was, hey, I don't know what's happening to this house, but it's disgusting, the grass is too high, yada, yada, whatever. Somebody needs to cut it. Somebody needs to, somebody, is it weird to go knock on their door and say, hey, cut your grass? So we saw all this playing out, and it's true. He doesn't exactly live there with his parents anymore, but his dad's got dementia, and mom can't leave the house. Nobody can take care of the house. I don't know if he is a well-living citizen these days. I have no idea. I've never talked to him. I see him all the time. He's always over there, but he doesn't cut the grass. Whatever. So to get in the middle of that situation, my, my wife looked at me one night. She goes, you should just go cut the grass. <laughs> no way. Not my grass, not my fight, not my problem. But I will tell you what, the Holy Spirit ate me up for a while. So one day, it was time to cut the grass about two weeks ago. And I said, fine, I got to cut my grass. And I don't know if y'all know me well enough, but I didn't get this shape push mowing. So I'm thankful that God blessed me with a ride mower a couple years ago, or at least the irresponsible finances to go buy a ride mower for my little yard over here. So here I go, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to listen to the discerning spirit of my wife, because as a husband, that's what we should do. And I said, I'm going to go cut it. It's whatever. What's it going to take me? So I strap on my HBC shirt, 
bright red, HBC across the thing. Wait, that's not the right thing to do? That's not funny right there. I, I have plenty of places to insert laughter, but that was not one of them. I'm going to go over here for a minute. Sheesh. So I thought the right thing to do was throw on some clothes, throw on my HBC shirt, and go out there and fire up my mower. So I did. I go over, and I start riding down the street, and I start mowing the front yard. It's going to take me all of six minutes. What does it cost? Nothing. Am I able? Absolutely. Should I? Absolutely. Because my wife said so, right? <clears throat> so here it is. I'm, I'm mowing his front yard, and I'm like, oh, wait, there's a minivan in the driveway. That means he, the one that I've had trouble with in my heart for years, is home. I don't, I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. And so I'm mowing the grass, and the first pass goes around. Everything is good. Storm doors closed. Front doors closed. All is good. My second pass in a big circle because, you know, we've got to throw all the grass together to cut it a second time because that's the nice thing to do. All of a sudden, I see the front door open, but the storm doors closed. And I'm like, oh, Lord, listen, I will obey your commands, but don't make it uncomfortable. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to see him. I don't want, I don't want to make eye contact. Listen, Lord, I will do what you say to do because I believed deep down that you said that we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and sometimes they just have to be my hands. I, I'm lazy. I don't like them to always be my hands. I don't like them to always be my feet. But Lord, this is costing me really nothing. So on my third pass around, boom, there he stands right in the doorway with this humble look on his face. And this is all he's got. He's got a little wave for me. And I'm like, I got my AirPods in. I'm rocking my Jesus music. They're on noise canceling mode. I can't hear a thing but my own thoughts. And the Holy Spirit saying, be nicer. And so I finish cutting the front yard. I head out to the backyard and boom, there I see him again. Thankfully, that the Holy Spirit decided to give me a neighbor. There's a neighbor that cuts a little portion of the other side so there's no snakes going into his yard, but he's out there talking to him. So I get in, get out. Here's the good justification, or so I thought. I'm mowing the front yard because it was a neighborhood turmoil, and I see the people that complained about it one after another, both the husband and the wife pulling the driveway, and I've never had such a big smile in my life for them to see me, the other neighbor over there that doesn't always cut his grass on time, even though he's fully capable and able, but it's usually baseball. Here I am over here, two days later, cutting the grass that they were complaining about with no problems. I have the greatest smile on my face because that's justification to me all as well. But I got to tell you, as I start to work on a sermon that says you are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as I teach in the youth group on Wednesday nights, I, I quickly came to find out that I, I got more pleasure. And again, this is me. Y'all may maybe not have a story like this, but um, I got more pleasure in the person complaining, seeing me do the work than I did out of not letting anybody see what had happened. I got more pleasure out of vindicating that and listening to my wife and the spirit that, than, I, than I did just pleasing the Lord. Uh, so it was time to cut the grass yesterday. So again, I put on my bright red HBC shirt and I made sure that nobody was home. My wife wasn't home. He wasn't home. It was just me and Tucker in the front yard. So I went and cut his grass again, just so the Lord knew that I didn't need it to be for anybody. I'm saying it this morning just because it finalizes the story, but, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will absolutely get into your business and you've got to obey. And it's not fun to obey. Listen, it is so easy it is so easy to stay caught up in that, but the frustrating part of me says, Justin, you are a Christian, God-fearing man first, father, husband. After that, you've got to get over it. He can change. He can be different. But even if he's not, you've got to obey your wife, and you've got to obey the Holy Spirit. Amen? See, I gave you all that, I gave you all that spot. All right. 
So that's my, that's my justification to listening to the Spirit work in your lives and strapping on a pair of boots and going to work. Amen. Oh, man, it's already 40 after. All right, I'm going to give you my favorite piece of Scripture that I go to often, Ephesians 2.10. Does anybody know it off the top of their head? No, no. For we are God's workmanship or handiwork, depending on what you're carrying, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. I love it. It does two things. It proves that he created me just like I am, so I can't fight it. I'm weird. You're weird. Raise your hand if you're weird. Thank you for all falling on that sword with me. But it's God's word in Ephesians says that you are God's workmanship or his handiwork, you were created in his image to do good work. The, the part that is strange, I have no doubt that God prepared me to do what I did at my neighbor's house long in advance that I knew it. You agree with that? Your life will happen day in and day out. Things will come up that God knew was going to happen, knew how you would say no 77 times before you finally say yes and watch you follow through so he can get the glory. Amen? Willful submission. Thank you. Willful submission is, I asked for the amen. She gave it. Listen, Phil Schaefer is not here this morning, so one of y'all has to be that hacking amen in the back. It's just one of those things. I'm just saying, somebody's got to get that. Um, all right, so Ephesians 2.10 is my justification on why I am, why I am, or how I am, but it tells me that I still have to do God's work. It's not just to get saved and do no work. You agree with that? Amen. All right, as long as I'm not on that, that page. All right, so what did Jesus command us to do right before he left? He left us with the Great Commission, right? Yes, yes, yes. I, 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 you know, tracking on the same page. I like it. All right, so here's where we're at as a youth group. i got to stop for a minute, and here's my segue into what we are working on down there because I think it applies directly. I like to preach things that God is dealing with in my life. Um, I don't like to expose uh, my faults to you. I'd rather look like I've got it all figured out, um, but I, y'all know better, right? Um, because I don't think y'all have it all figured out at all times either. Um, So I think the reality of the gospel needs to be shared. So oftentimes um, in the youth group, we can take a temperature of the room to figure out where the kids are at, where they're studying, where they're hearing, what they're sponging in. And so we decided uh, a couple weeks ago to go backwards for a minute. And we love to go into the fundamentals. Um, We started talking, Trevor's taking a discipleship class um, I will stop and pause for a minute, but uh, I think there are three things you need in your life. Uh, You need a wife like mine, and you need a Trevor and Haley. You can't have mine because they're mine. But I am thankful to be surrounded by such good people in ministry that are willing to do the work that needs to be done even when it's not glorious. Say amen that church work's not always glorious. There's not always happy feelings at the end of being the last one to leave, but God knows what's going on. So to back to your point of I need help as a teacher, I'm not going to harp on that this morning, but God's word tells you if you've got nothing else going on on a Wednesday night, you've got the ability, the desire will grow in there. It needs to happen. You look around and see all these kids that we have in here, who's going to give them godly direction if it's not when they're here with us? You think it's our public education system? No offense. Do you, I mean, honestly? No 
It's, it's, it's time. So get yourself a Haley and a Trevor that no matter what, whether I'm here or not here, they are ready and willing and capable to do whatever the youth group needs. It is more than a blessing to have them working on my behalf. What it does is bring another perspective. Sometimes I am the, uh, Trevor is, our, is my deacon of fun, right? He, he is my game guy. Um, she is my, uh, she picks all of the outreach things that we do. I get to get a lot of credit for a lot of things that they do and they don't get mad about it. How, how cool is that? Like I love getting glory for, th- I'm a husband. I've been a husband for 20 years. I love getting free glory, right? Amen, anybody? All right, I'm going to move forward for a minute because I'll start crying because they're good like that for me. So here's where we went. We went back to the beginning of Matthew and we went to the Sermon on the Mount. We had to start back at the fundamentals because sometimes we get so far down into the weeds that we want to talk about, do you talk about Jesus? If we go backwards and say we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus, how do you as teenagers take that into the world? How do you take that into the world? So we went back into the Sermon on the Mount. And if you go back into the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7, maybe, yes. So this is where it starts to the beginning of understanding if you are called to be a disciple of Christ, which you are, if you are a Christian, you are called to be a disciple of Christ. Go right back to there and read those red letters about what Jesus said, that if you want to be a disciple of mine, here's where you go. I like it to be easy for the kids to understand why they believe what they believe. Here's the problem. If they don't understand the beginning of why they believe what they believe, they're never going to be able to tell somebody else. There's an amen right there. If they don't believe, if they don't understand why they believe what they believe, they'll never be able to tell somebody else. And here's the cool part. The devil is alive and well in the other side. So as a Christian, this is what we talk about with the teenagers, but this applies here, which is why I'm calling this my full circle. As a Christian, if we don't fundamentally understand why we believe the way that we believe, to be able to articulate it and speak it, we're never going to talk about it. Do you agree with that? So it's super hard to be the hands and feet of Jesus to be the one to start talking about things if we don't know the whys. So we can't get too advanced to not go back to the beginning to understand when I was deep in sin and didn't understand it and I needed a savior. Amen? But we've got to go back and understand how we can talk about it. I find it awesome. So we talked about this this last week. Um, I'm going to go to Matthew 9 for a minute. And we started talking about discipleship and Haley drew a really cool picture that I won't share with you because y'all will just giggle, but the kids giggle. We got it out of the way. But it had f- amazing meaning, but it was just finding out little ways to talk about Jesus. And I find, as a 42-year-old man, you've got to have light conversations before you start asking tough questions. Do you agree with that? So we don't all go to school every day. We go to work we go to Kroger's, we go to Dollar General, or the Pinch Walmart, as I like to call it. But we go to all these places, but you're never going to get to the deep questions until they trust you and want to talk to you. Do you agree with that? So that's what we're trying to teach back into these kids. It does two things. If they're born again, believer in Jesus Christ, it helps solidify how to move forward with conversations with their peers. If they're not blood-bought, born-again believer in Jesus Christ, they're going to see the fundamental of the gospel in it and further along their walk with the Lord. Amen? So we work on that. So we got into here, and and I'm a a visual listener. And So in 9 it says, 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teachings in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but what? The workers are few. So we started there in that understanding. The harvest is plentiful. And if you don't understand that this morning, then I I implore you to stop there and just read on that this week. The harvest is plentiful. There is plenty of people out there that need Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. But what happens? If the harvest is plentiful, Jesus said, but the workers are few. What does that mean? That means that there's plenty of people that are ready to be saved, that just need a little love in their life, that need to see you being the, here's my whole circle, the, they need to see you being those hands and feet of Jesus, but the workers are few. A lot of us are equipped to do the job, but we are hoping somebody does it before us. Yes? If you're like me, I'm always hoping somebody does the hard work before I get there. I don't want to be like the blister, like Trevor calls me a lot of times, you know, showing up after the hard work is done. But, but sometimes you like somebody else to do that, that hard work so you don't have to. Yes? All right. <clears throat> so moving on into 10, it says, uh, this is God sending out his 12. And this was the story that we talked about this past week that I believe to be fundamental. This is Jesus sending out his 12 into the world. And there's a couple things visually that I like to, I'm going to start at verse nine, just because I told y'all we'd be out of here by now. And I I think I lied to you. Verse nine says, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for your journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Again, let's go for a minute. I'm a visual listener. So I see these guys walking in these dirty towns, wearing sandals on their feet, headed to a town to do Jesus's work, and they go into a house. They first have to find out if they're welcome in that house. You find out pretty quick if your words are welcome in that house. And what does God say? God says, go in if it's good abide with them for a while. But if it's not, what does he tell you to do? Leave the house and what? Not the Taylor Swift style. Straight up, take those sandals off. I don't beat out rugs, but y'all ever beat out a rug with sand in it just everywhere? That's the visual that I get. Jesus says, go try it because I'm worthy for you to try it. But if they're not hearing it, move on. Stop. And that's what we were talking about the other day. We're, we're, how do you start the conversations with people? And I think it 100% applies in your life. How do you start a conversation with people about Jesus? You're going to know within the first three or four sentences whether they're wanting to pick up what you're putting down. Do you agree with that? Do you keep on browbeating them or beating them with the Bible hoping that they get through? Absolutely not. Jesus' word says, if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Move on. Do the part you were supposed to do and move on. One of the biggest things we can do is pray for people. Do you agree with that? Oh, Sydney, I, I, I lied to you. I told you that I would not do this, but I need your help. Um, Sorry. 
Sometimes you have to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and sometimes Justin needs you. All right, so we did something probably two months ago when we introduced this song, uh, In Jesus' Name, God of Possible. Again, I apologize for putting you on the spot. Here's what I'd like for you to do this morning, because I'm trying to figure out how to land my plane. I asked you guys when we launched this song a month or two ago to think of somebody to pray about. Take somebody in your life that you've been praying for, that you've tried to approach, that you've tried to approach the words of Jesus with that are not taking it. Take somebody in your life that is going through something that you have no idea how to help. And I want you to think of them right now. Yes, we've got kids in here. Yes, it's a little bit loud. Actually, it's not. It's quiet this morning. But I want you to think of that one specific person. And I'm not going to make it awkward. I'm not going to ask you to come up here and kneel around the altar. I'm just not going to do it. Um, But I would like you to close your eyes for a minute and think of that one person. Because if we can propel the work of the Lord this morning with just that one person in our mind, that's how we begin to get them to hear what we have to say asking for God's provision and providence to work in their lives in that situation. So I'm going to take a three-minute break while Sydney sings this song. I speak the name of Jesus over you In your hurting, in your sorrow my God to move. I speak the name cause it's all that I can do. In desperation I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing. The circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I speak the name of all the Every promise he was faithful to keep. I speak the name no grave could ever hold. He is greater, he is stronger, he's the God of possible. I pray for your healing, that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside. Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen to 
circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. I pray for restoration of faith. I pray that the dead will come to life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' tell you why we do what we do, why we are the hands and feet of Jesus, why we work in the church, why we get little things to happen. Uh, I didn't talk with the party, so I'm going to go vague for a minute. But last weekend, I got the opportunity to, to teach that third through nine, third through sixth, whatever that class was back here. And I was not prepared, wasn't. And the word, does anybody remember what the, 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 what was the Bible verse? Joshua 1, 9. You have that close by? Yeah. Anybody have that close by? You know what it says? Ooh, keep going. Be strong and courageous. Do not be, what? Do not be afraid. Why? For the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. That was the lesson. Listen, hang on, it's going to come out. I've been in youth ministry a long time, and I don't get to see breakthroughs often. But I will tell you, I did nothing in this scenario other than facilitate the class, and God did the work. That was brought up, and in a lot of years, I ask questions, and oftentimes people don't, say, I don't know what that means, but I will tell you right now, last week there was a young lady in that room that absolutely stopped when I said, for the Lord your God is with you always. Don't fear. That's, our, that's already weird. We are a fearful people. Be courageous. Do not get discouraged for the Lord your God is with you. And I promise you I had a young lady in the back of the room raise her hand and straight look me in the face and say, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't even know what that means. I love it. As a youth pastor, I love to hear that. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Because most people won't say that doesn't make sense. They leave and they don't do anything about it. But I will tell you, this young lady said, I don't know what that means. So we got an opportunity to quickly talk about the indwellment of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't go any further than that. But guess what? I serve a God that is not done once seeds are planted. Do you agree with that? And again, not to make this strange, but this young lady leaves this place here, has that word on her heart, gets home, gets 
listening to a song that says God is with us, and I'm not going to go all the way to the point of saying that she used to be in a weird situation, but she found herself in the afternoon after being at church in a very light class going, I don't know what that means. I can't be not fearful. I can't be on a roll. I don't get it. I don't know what it means for you to say that God is with you always because I don't feel like God has been with me for a hot minute before. Gets to a place in the afternoon and says, Lord, I don't know what that means, but I don't want to live the way I've been living. I don't want to have the fear that I've had in my past. I don't want all of that stuff to still be with me. And the way that I understand it is I need you to save me. And she walks out of her bedroom to her mother and says, I just got saved. She told me about it the other night and I cry inside because I long for those kind of applications. That's why we are the hands and feet of Jesus. That's why we don't stop when we're like, that task is whatever. I had nothing to do with that class. I had no preparation. God gave me nothing to be in that situation other than to go, yeah, let's do it. Because guess what? God needed to do work and I just had to say yes. I get zero glory because I did nothing to facilitate it, but now somebody's going to heaven because of it. Do you agree with that? That's why we're in ministry. That's why we take our Wednesday night and go, man, I'd really like to go to bed at 8 o'clock, but they really need help. That's why we do that. That's why foster parents take in foster kids. That's why people do all the things that they do when they look at their hands and go, this is the size of the hands of Jesus, and this is the feet, because there are things that I can do that you can't do. There are things that y'all are going to get to do that I'm never going to know about, and you got to do them because that person you think that's going to do it ain't going to do it. Because they're thinking like you this morning. Somebody will do it. But God said, I prepared in advance for you to do. Y'all, come on. Sorry. I'm going I'm to land the plane because you get the point. The point goes back to the, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 58. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And when you get home this afternoon, I need you to look and see that it's your hands and it's your feet. And when you hear something being impressed upon you, that's the Holy Spirit. He's probably not telling your neighbor to do the same thing. So you should get on it. Jesus' disciples got done with the Sermon on the Mount right before he sent them out, and they end up in a boat. They're rocking in a boat with him. He's asleep, and they see these storms. And they know how big that Jesus is, but they think, I'm going to die. They wake him up, call on Jesus' name. That's what we need to do this morning.